the challenge that people have when they're starting a business is just like, you are a solopreneur. So AI plays an incredible role in helping these small entrepreneurs, these small companies in real estate and leverage their time. Welcome to Surgeon Syndicate. If you're paying attention, you know that you only make money when you work. It might be great money, but it's dependent on you. The information on this podcast will help you solve that. We interview experts and provide analysis into financial freedom through commercial real estate. Why? To help physicians like you thrive. Let's dive in. Welcome to Surgeon Syndicate. This is your host, Dr. Mike McManus, and we are here today with Vanessa Alfaro. Welcome to the show, Vanessa. Hi, thank you so much for having me here. Well, we've got so much to talk about. Vanessa is an entrepreneur and a founder of five seven-figure companies in three different countries. She's a real estate investor, an innovator, a multifamily syndicator. She's recently profiled in the real estate book, 10 Paths, as one of the most successful real estate investor stories of 2022. She's the founder of Venus Capital Partners and Luna XAI. And we'll get back into those a little bit later in the show. But originally, Vanessa came from a small town in Venezuela. Um, when she was six, they moved to the city. You started out as a physics major, or you're going to be an astrophysicist before catching the entrepreneurial bug. So tell me a little bit more about so Venezuela entrepreneur. Tell me a little bit more about your background. Oh, wow. It sounds very fancy when you read it, actually. (laughs) (laughs) It was not that fancy. I started as an entrepreneur just because it was very easy for me when I was a child to create things. Okay. And I come from a blue collar family. My mom was a teacher. My dad even didn't graduate from high school. Okay. So we always were short on money and I was always thinking ways like, how can I do this? And I would buy my own things and I want to help my mom. So that's how I started entrepreneur when I was like maybe 10 years old. And I was like doing dolls for selling at school. And my mom was very supportive. She was always very supportive of my ideas. And, and it was very excited. And I was like, at one point, I was walking from school to my home and there was a big college on the way home. I remember that it was yesterday, Mike. I stopped in front of that college and I was like, I just want to be a business person. I want to come to this college, but I just want to be a business person. I want to have my own company. And I think I was 13. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> So you were doing entrepreneurial things before you started your first company. And yes. so you went to college and then you founded your first company, which was a boutique marketing company. Tell me yeah. a little bit about that. Oh, that was so much fun. Being a marketing is fun with your job. I have a lot of energy. I had a job before that. I had a job in McDonald's. <laughs> and <laughs> that's awesome i clean bathrooms and i make hamburgers and when you are like a cashier like that's the highest job that you can have like in mcdonald <laughs> and it was fun for six months i was like i needed to make money in order to pay for something that i wanted to do and then after i did that i was like i'm never gonna have a job again <laughs> this is my first and my last one so when i went to college 
as you were saying, I was studying physics and I really love it. Okay. And I'm so happy that I actually did it for those three years because I think it gave me the best framework for thinking and being an entrepreneur. Okay. I actually think that everybody should study physics just because you can learn <laughs> so much and apply for everything on the entrepreneurial. So I went to college, I went to physics, and then I was like, I don't think I'm going to be able to do something with this in my career because I want to be an entrepreneur. And I jumped to business and then I opened my first company. Just I was actually studying business and I already had my first company at that point. As you said, it was a boutique marketing company. We were doing what it was called at that point, below the line marketing. There is above the line and below the line. And that's the fun part of the marketing side. And I did that for about seven years and we had huge clients. I went from my computer, okay, in the living room of my house to have 2,500 employees at that point. It was wild. That's amazing. So a lot of our listeners are doctors. And so some of the business terms leave us scratching our head. So just explain a little bit more the above the line and below the line marketing, because I've never heard that before. Oh, actually really old. Okay. I don't know if you're going to do something with that, but I was playing. (laughs) So above the line was all the marketing that was actually where was defined that you don't have contact with the consumer. Okay. So that would be like TV or advertising in a newspaper or like, I don't know, anything like a magazine. Okay. That was considered above the line. And below the line, there was all the type of marketing that you can actually have a direct contact with the consumer. So we had about 45 brands that we represented for liquor brands. Okay. So whiskey and champagne and all these things. So we will do events. Okay. When we will have contact with the consumer. Okay. And they will do tests. Okay. Or wine testing or like events. Okay. Things like that. So that was below the line. Okay. Well, that explains because I've seen with your real estate business that you do some great events. So this was something you started with very early on. So it was very natural to you. As that's you. true. Yeah, that's true. One of the things that I like in any business is I try, and I would say try, I innovate. I think the innovation is the key of any business. If you are a real estate investor or you are a podcaster or you are whatever, I think innovation is very important to continue evolving in your career and in your business. So when I started that company, I had a rule. I was 23, 22, 23, and I had a rule with everybody that was working there. And the rule was, Nobody can come here saying that it's not possible. So if you have a problem, okay, you will have to come here with solutions because everything is possible. And that I think that improve like and invite innovation, okay, to people. So I use that today as well, uh, innovation and trying to do things in a different way, but just not for the sake of innovation, but for the sake of doing better for our investors or doing better for our properties. Thinking 
out of the box. I think it's important. And we do events, as you say, we do events with our investors. At one point, we do some investor tours and we try to do a different. And it was like interesting for my partners because I brought that idea one day, like, why wouldn't do this? And everybody was scratching their heads. Like, what are you talking about? Nobody does that. <laughs> why not? <laughs> Well, sitting behind you, you have a copy of 10X is Easier Than 2X, which is one of my favorite books. And that's kind of the whole point of the book is that 2X is just going to be working twice as hard. But to 10X, you have to do it different. You have to figure out a different way. That's awesome. So your company grew and you ended up moving to Panama and then adding another company. And then eventually you sold all that and then moved to the US. Is that correct? Correct. Yes, I moved to Panama to expand my company in Venezuela because we have issues, economic issues, political issues that everybody is aware. Actually, at that point, the inflation rate was 42% when I moved out to Panama. <laughs> that was like maybe 20 years ago. Okay. So it wasn't less. that hard of a decision. <laughs> yes. Right now, it's 250 something percent. Oh, so it was low then. I've been to Panama once, and Panama is an incredible country because mm -hmm. of being such a business hub. There's just so many people from all over the world in Panama yeah. City. What was that like living there? So you were still pretty young, and you're in Panama City. That must uh, have been really pretty mm -hmm. eye-opening to seeing the whole world there. Yeah, I was 27. My daughter was seven years old, okay, or six years old. I don't remember. And my plan was actually my vice president was going to move to Panama to open, to expand the company. So we would create some revenue in dollars because Panama's currency is dollar. And we had all the money attached at like trap in Venezuela, okay, in that currency that we couldn't move anywhere. So that was the original idea. And then I decided to move, okay, because security issues, my ex-husband was kidnapped at that time. My daughter was really scared. It was really bad situation for us. I had security people around. So we decided to move to Panama just to have a better life for me and my daughter. And so I took care of that company. And six months later, we had to close Venezuela. I couldn't even sell the company because the clients that we had had limitations with the products. Okay. So we didn't have anything to show. We didn't have anything to sell. Okay. It was a collapse for the whole industry. Wow. So you built this whole thing in your 20s. And then just due to the political environment, you basically you had to leave it all behind. You couldn't pull any of it out with you. And you kind of went to Panama and essentially started over. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The company went from millions of dollars to zero Okay, in three months. Like There is no more product. There is nothing that we can do. Like we lost everything, every client that we had. But I was already in Panama at that point, and we had some clients in Panama. We focused also in like luxury brands as well. So it was fine. We was disappointed. I actually had some employees that I got with me to Panama, and then it was great. Panama was a great experience for me. That's awesome. So then you decided you sold the business at that point? Was that I sold the business. Both okay. of those companies. Mm -hmm. I had and two companies you, there and then I sold it. And then you moved on to Los Angeles where you co-founded two additional companies 
see if I'm protecting this right, Otto Prayakto? Almost. Oh. <laughs> you did it correctly. <laughs> so it's Auto Projecto. Okay. Auto Projecto. Okay. It's in Spanish for so it's hard. <laughs> you did it great. You know what's horrible about that is I grew up in a small farming town and my high school was pretty much half Mexican kids. So I thought if anything, I would understand the accent and some of the pronunciation. Then I took Spanish in college. My professor, I meet with him once and he says, you know, you're starting to do okay because I actually really struggled. And he's like, but we really got to work on your accent. That's the worst part. <laughs> I thought if anything, I had the accent, but- It's okay. Um, I gave up working on my accent. Like it is what it is. <laughs> so you started there making Hispanic content and do you still have those companies? Is that still yes. part of what you're doing? Yes, my husband managed that company and he's doing incredibly well. When I moved here and we got married, he had this website, okay, that was creating content. He was not doing any money with the website, but he had a great idea. And he was also doing some content for some publications about automotive. Okay. So here I come and I was like, oh my God, this has so much potential. And I was like, we should do this and that and blah, blah, blah. And he was like, are you sure? I was like, I'm sure. Okay. It's going to make so much money. Like, look at this. Nobody has what you have here. And then we worked together for five years. And then we created Auto Projecto. And now he is the number one automotive content production in the US. Oh, that's incredible. So you came and you started that. And then what led you besides the innovation and just that entrepreneurial bug, I guess, to then decide to move into the real estate world? Well, we're entrepreneurs and we buy in the dream that we're going to be entrepreneurs and you're going to do whatever you want, right? And you're going to be free. Uh, but it's really hard to get to that point, right? I mean, I'm still reading 10x is better than 2x and how you can buy back your time. <laughs> it's like a learning process, by the way, that's a great book, buy back your time. So we're still working, okay? And we're still, sometimes we work more than anybody else in the company. And at that point, I was thinking like, okay, what we can do that can actually create passive income? for us. I love the idea of having companies, but I don't want to have 2,500 employees again. I don't want to be uh, Jeff Bezos. Okay. That's not where I want to be. I don't want to make billions of dollars. I just want to have financial freedom in a way that I can work because I love working. I love creating companies, but I want to do something that can give us passive income. And at that point, my husband, family also owns some real estate. He always was talking about real estate. Why don't you do real estate? And I didn't know about real estate. I know about businesses, but I didn't know about real estate. I was like, this must be a business. So there must be something that we need to learn in order to do this. And then one day, a friend of mine invited me to an event that was talking about multifamily and passive income. And I was like, this is it. This is what we need to do. And that's well, how everything started. It's a great thing because a lot of doctors, when they look at it, they're like, okay, I want to invest in something besides just the stock market or bonds or the things where your 401k goes, but don't have the time. You're working hard. You guys have these businesses. So I think there's a lot of that same attraction. 
where can I invest where my money can work a little harder, but I don't have to work harder. And I think for doctors, first of all, specifically for doctors and nurses, I think this is one of the biggest career in the world is just like very healthy people. If you want to be a doctor, you really want to be a doctor in your heart. So it's really difficult for a doctor to decide not to be a doctor anymore to do real estate. Because, I mean, you're saving people's lives, same with nurses. So I think that it's very important for doctors to find a way to invest their money, okay, and to have this passive income without giving up in something that they love, okay, which is their careers. And in my case, I'm not giving up what I love, which is being an entrepreneur. I'm still an entrepreneur and I have this passive income. I'm just changing marketing for real estate, right? But for a doctor, I think it's the best way to do it is as a passive investor because they love what they do. And doctors are, I just want to go back to because when you were talking about your events, because when I see some of these events promoted before, and a lot of doctors are some of the most suspicious people about everything that's going on, like, why are they sending me this? And it's funny, because there was one specific point where a developer here in Wisconsin sent these out, and they were having dinners in different towns, and you just get them in the mail, inviting you to come to a dinner and a presentation. And I talked to so many doctors and they were like, what is this thing? And there were a few people who went, but most didn't. So explain more if people are listening when they get these invitations to go to a dinner event to discuss real estate investments. What are those events about and why are you having them? I guess they fear a hard sell, like, come on, you got to sign up today. Because my experience has been when we're talking about real estate, rarely is there a hard sell because the last investor you want is one who doesn't want to be there. Right. <laughs> They're the ones that have the most questions. They're unhappy. And so really tell me more about how you view these events and why you put them on and what they do for you and for the investor. Well, there are different types of events on real estate. There are the events that are focused on education. So if you want to be in this business and you want to get the education to actually create this business, okay, so those are education events, okay, so where you go and you learn how to underwrite, how to find the right properties, how to go into the right areas. Usually there is a sell at that event, okay? Because there is also coaching involved. I mean, I had a mentor. I still have mentors. I always have mentors. I think it's extremely important to have mentors in your life, okay? And I had a real estate coach for a year. I just didn't want to jump in a new area as an entrepreneur without understanding people that had way more experience than me. So you have mentorship or a coaching or something that sometimes they're going to sell you, okay? But on the other side, you can go to some of the events that are three days events and you get a lot of information. So if you want to create a business, I'm always for the voting that just go and sign up for one of these events, okay? Because you don't have the experience and you want to change gears into days or months. What does that mean? Means that 
you want to skip all those years of learning yourself things that it's going to cost you money and time and just like better hiring someone that knows what you're doing and a coach that can help you. And just instead of spending 10 years learning, you just spend six months. Okay. For me, that's very smart and it's way higher than the price that you pay. Okay. So it's much better than just like doing yourself for 10 years. So those are one type of the events. Okay. If you don't want to be in the business, like creating this business yourself, you just want to be a passive investor. Those maybe one, two or three days events are also giving you a lot of value. Okay. Because then you're going to be able to understand how you can choose the best deals for you, which I think that there is nothing better than an educated investor. Because, okay, you just choose the deals that are right for you. Like if you go to the stock market, okay, you have to decide if you're going to go to the S&P 500 or you're going to put your money into cryptocurrency. And that also depends on how much risk you want to take, what type of investor you are, what is your strategy short term and long term. It's the same with multifamily. So you need to understand what is your appetite for risk. Okay. What type of deals you want to be in? Okay. Depending on how much money you want for how long. So those type of events are great also to give you that information. So I will definitely encourage you to go, even if you don't want to sign up because you don't want to make this full-time business for you. And then there are other events as well. There are like networking events and there are a lot of networking events where you can actually meet some other syndicators like me, like people that own these companies, find the deals and then you invest with. But what I think is interesting about networking events is that you can actually talk to other investors. Okay. And this is a trick. When you talk to other investors, okay, you should be able to ask the investors, where are they investing their money? What are the results that they are getting with those syndicators? Okay. Because there are many syndicators. Okay. There are some goods that are not so good as well. Okay. So connect with these people. See what are the experience. Are they getting their returns? For how long have they invested with this person? Okay. Who has been doing good and which has not given them good results? Okay. So I think that those events are also great events. Wow, that's great because... I hadn't quite thought of it that way, that if you're going to an event that's basically teaching you how to be a syndicator, if you're not planning on being a syndicator, though, it will help you understand what syndicators are doing. And I heard that kind of from docs. One of the things I heard people say was, well, why do they want my money? If they're so good at this, they should have their own money to do it. And just understanding what the investor brings that allows the deal to work and where everybody makes money in the process. And it's more like the syndicator, they're getting paid a job to run a company, like investing in Coca-Cola. There's people who run Coca-Cola, but they don't own the whole company. There's still people who own stock. And it's kind of the same thing with the syndication. Syndicator runs the deal. They typically have some of their own money in the deal, just like the CEO of a company. But the Mm -hmm. investors are the ones who have the majority of the ownership and bring the money that makes the whole thing go. So there's a lot to that process that is great if you're learning it from the syndicator side. Yeah, that for me is a funny question because asking a syndicator, which has a business to create all this passive income, why they're asking other people for money will be for me like asking Ray Dalio, what Chase is asking for my money. (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, it's a business. They're working with that money and they're helping you to make money or I don't know, Buffett, why they're asking me to manage my money. They should have their own money. So it's a funny question. And so these other events and meeting other investors, it is, it's really, I like you had that, I think it's a Tony Robbins quote, the turning decades into days, uh-huh. that meeting other people who have been there, following in their footsteps, who do you right. invest with? Have you had good luck? I think that's rather than sitting in, because you can get stuck in this hole of scrolling on the internet and trying uh-huh. to read reviews, but most of the people who are out there investing and playing the game and winning at it aren't sitting writing reviews online in the middle well, of the this night. Is a, this is a good thing. And I know this is a marker. Nobody writes a good review. Like whoever takes the time to write a review is because it's mad about something. Okay. <laughs> so most of the time, 80% of their reviews are going to be bad. Okay. Because people is mad about it. So it's really hard. Someone that is happy to ask that person to write a review or that person just going to write a review by itself. So I don't trust online reviews just because of that. Now, one of the things that you can check is what is the percentage of investors that reinvest with this syndicator? Like, for example, in my case, okay. 80% of my investors are in my deals one, two, three, four, five times. And they keep coming back into my deals. So, and most of my deals are just as a referral from another investor. So if you check my social media, I am all on social media right now just because of AI. Okay. I was in social media for the last five years and I was still able to raise millions of dollars. Why? Because I was raising money through referrals from all my investors. And that is one of the best measurements that your company can have as a syndicator. I mean, you're doing something good. Okay. They are happy. They reinvest with you and they're able to give you a suggestion or family or friend that is looking to place money. It's incredible. And as an investor, as a new investor, you may not even see it advertised because they may not need to raise any money. But if you go to events where you talk to people, you may hear the story of, I have money with this person and with Vanessa and she's great. We've never lost money and all those great stories. Yes. And that's the best referral that you can have as well. So I think that those networking events, you can find that information as well. Who has been doing good in the business or not? All right. So tell me more about Venus Capital and what it's all about. So um, Venus Capital is a minority equity firm focused on multifamily real estate. I am the founder and Venus Capital as a brand is a new brand because before I had a different name. And I don't know, for some reason, maybe because I wanted to be an astrophysic, Venus resonated with me. <laughs> and also because I am all about supporting women entrepreneurs as well. So I decided to rebrand or relaunch my brand now that we are all with this AI era right now. And I am on so many social media and doing so many things. So it was the right time for me to relaunch the brand. So with Venus Capital, you've just had it running for three years, right? 
actually it's going to be five five it's years be five next year mm-hmm. and so it's a relatively new company mm-hmm. and you're already i'm looking at your bio saying 50 million dollars under management assets under management is that about where you're still at or is it grown from there even actually we're still in 50 million we haven't buy any deal this year it has been really interesting i think this is going to be the first year we're right now in november and we have some deals in the pipeline but we haven't closed any deal this year our last deals that we closed were about almost 400 units was december last year and i am very excited for what is coming let me tell you i'm very sorry for what is happening in the real estate and the economic environment in multifamily specifically but i'm being very patient and very careful to go into the right deals. Now, my company, Venus Capital, we do have some employees, but we leverage a lot on technology and artificial intelligence, as we're going to talk in a few minutes, because I'm super excited to talk about that. But so we don't have a lot of employees in the company. So I feel like we haven't had the need of buying just an okay deal. I just want to make sure that everybody listening here understand that the reason we haven't buy deals is because we want to buy only the right deals. And when you say $50 million, really, it sounds a lot for some people, but it really sounds small for some other syndicators, right? And I've been in this business, it's going to be five years next year. So for four years, and there's so many other syndicators that in four years has reached maybe, I don't know, $500 million. Okay. And I'm happy that I'm not in that category because I know that the last five years, seven years has been like the best years for multifamily, meaning the best years to buy overpriced multifamily. <laughs> so. It has been hard to find good deals. Okay. And that's why I has just keep it in, in $50 million. And I'm super proud to say that I'm only at $50 million, but I have really, really great deals. 99% of my deals are incredible deals. That's such a great point because there are syndicators who have these giant systems built out and they have to keep doing deals to make their system run, where if you don't have this giant system to feed right now, while market prices are still adjusting to new interest rates, because for people out there who may be new to this, that in commercial real estate, it's going through a lot of the same things as in homes. Prices had gone up while interest rates were low, and then rates went up, and they went up fast enough that the prices haven't adjusted to go with the rates yet. And so Mm The patient investor is waiting and they're not forcing themselves to do deals um, that they don't have to do. And so that's a good thing. Those are the syndicators that when they have deals, will have deals that are strong and are sound from the ground up and aren't going to get in trouble down the road. So There are many syndicators in trouble right now. I do have about 15 deals and I have one deal that is struggling, maybe two. But all our other deals are doing incredible. They are all paying distributions. So in general, 
I think that most of these indicators are in trouble right now, especially the ones that go deals in rich rates and all that thing. But as I said before, very good times are coming. And now you're seeing some sellers that are going and realizing that they have to lower the price and the cap rates are increasing okay, as the interest rates increase as well. It's going to be a correction. I think that we are in the process of becoming actually a buyer's market instead of a seller's market. Now, what I see is that there are still people out there like being extremely aggressive with their underwriting and trying to buy deals in overpriced that they're never going to make enough money with those prices. It's just crazy. We just lost a deal that is a 23 million. And we lost to another company that offered 28 million with hard money and no due diligence. And I was like, who in the right mind is able to do this right now? Like putting all that money and their investor money at risk. So I would say that it's a very important time for doctors and passive investors to also analyze very careful where you're putting your money. Okay, nobody has a crystal ball, but I have AI and we're going to talk about that. I have AI and I actually going to have a webinar for passive investors, how they can use AI to analyze syndicator deals. Oh, that's awesome. And if somebody wants, before we jump into the AI, if somebody wants to join that webinar, where can they find information about it? I will give you the link for the podcast, but also they can go to my website, which is venuspartners.com. Venuspartners.com. And there we will have the registration link for the webinar. Or if they find you on LinkedIn, will there be stuff there on social media too? LinkedIn as well. I'm LinkedIn. I will post the, the webinar link on LinkedIn or Instagram or Facebook as well. Awesome. I think this webinar in particular, and I have done a few webinars about real estate and AI, but I think that this one in particular is going to be extremely important for passive investors because it's not about how you're going to buy a deal with AI or how you can use AI to X, Y, and Z. It's how you can use AI to analyze syndicator deals, how you can oh, load awesome. that information. And actually, depending on the type of investor that you are, okay, it's going to give you different information. Okay. I'm going to teach everybody how you can plug information about yourself, how you can find what type of investor you are, and then analyze this deal. Because you, Mike, probably are going to receive a different answer from the AI than me, because maybe you are a different type of investor than I am. So I think that's going to be a very interesting webinar. Well, that's awesome, because that's always a big fear for people who are new is how do I do this? And how do I feel like I'm not doing it wrong? And if you can utilize AI to now put all that information in there and put it together for you. So tell me more about Luna. I'm sure your AI that that's what it's doing. Yes, so. yes. So Luna X AI is an education company that is focused on how a corporation, a company can integrate AI into their corporation. So we're mostly focused in companies, also offering some other programs for 
small entrepreneurs okay, who can actually leverage AI into the small venture. One of the programs that we have is actually a program for real estate investors and how they can leverage AI as new real estate investors. Because I have the background of real estate and the background with AI, it makes sense to help some other people that is actually starting in the business. And the challenge that people have when they're starting a business is just like, you are a solopreneur, okay? It's just one person, two or three, if you have two other partners, okay? And you're juggling in between a W2 as well and another job, okay? While you build their business. So AI plays an incredible role in helping these small entrepreneurs, these small companies in real estate and leverage their time and doing this 10X, I have here 10X. <laughs> 10x. Okay. And actually, he has another book, which is the Who Not How. Okay. Dan Sullivan has the Who Not How as well. And I always say that AI is the ultimate who right now. <laughs> so how you can leverage that. So that's what Luna X is. And we actually came with the idea after coming into so many podcasts to talk about AI and speaking about AI into real estate and people reaching out to me like, how I can do it, what should I do? And we decided that it was an appetite for the people and we needed to put this information out there to help people to understand that they don't need to do things the same way that I did it five years ago or 10 years ago or even last year, okay? So there's so many tools right now for entrepreneurs. Um, so it's very exciting and something that I really love because I feel I help the entrepreneurs. Well, that's so awesome because there's a lot of nervousness about AI out there and people not really understanding what it is. And I think the more that people get exposed to using it as a tool to help answer questions will really help. What do you say to people when they're worried about like the Terminator scenario of the machines taking over? When they ask you about AI, what do you tell them to kind of reassure them or help them understand how to use it as a tool? Well, I think we're far from a Terminator situation or a Matrix situation where AI is going to take over the whole world. Okay. Now, I don't think we are far from where it's actually artificial intelligence and like really machines that are intelligent. I think that we're pretty close to that, okay? Because the way that computer is advancing right now, the ways that all these technologies are advancing is really shocking how fast they move. Now, I don't think we should have any concern. There is ethical concerns that I have, okay? There is ethical concerns, but I don't think we should have a concern that is gonna have a matrix or a terminator, okay, with AI. And the MIT, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology actually has a lab, which is they call the collective intelligence lab, okay? It's like, they don't have an artificial intelligence department, they have a collective intelligence department. So, which I think is a more realistic view of artificial intelligence, which is the, intelligence of machines and humans together okay and this is where we are right now i think this is where we're going to go in the next three years is understanding that artificial intelligence is here to do the task that your brain is actually a waste of time for your brain to do 
And you should be using your brain for whatever is the best for you. I mean, if I ask you right now, if you're going to use the calculator to do a huge mathematical equation, or you're going to use your brain, what you're going to choose, you're going to choose the calculator. Okay. So that idea is very simple to understand because we have used the calculator for years and years. Okay. It's the same thing with the AI. It's exactly the same thing. That's awesome. And I think the sooner people start jumping in and using it and seeing what it can do for them to help them, that it, that'll help them move forward and use their brain for things that they want to be spending their time on. Well, 14% or 15% of America had actually used AI in some way or the other. Okay. Um, 80% of corporations understand that the use of AI is something that needs to happen in every company. Okay. And okay. the problem that we have right now is that these technologies are advancing and the rate of adoption of people is way lower than the way of these technologies are growing and improving. Okay. That means that there is no time for catching up in this. Like, so they're advancing really fast. Okay. There is not enough people. Okay. Using these technologies and they are projecting that the GDP is going to grow extremely high just because of AI. But the problem that we're going to have is that also companies and corporations that will have to start hiring people that only knows about AI if they want to grow their companies. So here it is. So you're offering a chance for people to jump in, start learning about AI now and learning how to use it from an investment standpoint? Well, for the webinar, yes. For corporations, <laughs> yes, I'm very excited. So I can show them like a very easy way that they can use it to provide value for themselves and on this investment world. Also for corporations, what we're offering them is the opportunity to train their people in AI instead of rehiring people that knows about AI. Mm -hmm. Because Hiring new people in your company can cost you between 40 to 150%, right? Of the salary of that person. If you train them with the new technologies, okay, and they can do the same task that they were doing instead of 40 hours a week, just in 30 hours a week, what are you going to be doing with that other 10 hours of that employee? You can make more sales. You can do more business. You can increase your business. You can have happier employees. Okay. Or if you don't do that as a corporation and you don't train your people and you don't go and go or AI integrated, then you will have by one point realize that you have to hire new people. And that's when the companies are going to have a problem. Well, I think that's especially for the doctors we're talking about in, in healthcare, we're so short staffed in so many different ways. And if this is something that the people who find a way to utilize it and make their existing people mm -hmm. more efficient are going to have a huge advantage and it's going to change the work environment for the people who are in the right place. Well, for doctors and in the healthcare, we can have two different podcasts about the whole AI into healthcare because I'm so passionate about that and what is happening in the healthcare. But bringing that into admin tasks, okay, also in the people that is managing all the administrative work okay, is also a huge saving now for the employees for the entrepreneurs that have their own practice as well there is also some hipaa concerns as well okay. if i said that correct mike yeah. HIPAA? Okay. Yes. yes so it needs to be careful but 
all these big companies in healthcare, they're integrating AI as well. So Google released their own AI for the healthcare that they are actually in beta. There is this company that they just released that they can actually diagnose diabetic, diabetes diabetes type two. Thank you. Okay. Diabetes type two with an AI and just with the voice analyzing the voice of the person, okay, they can diagnose diabetic type 2 with the AI. So it's just for the healthcare, it's going to be so important. Well, that's so exciting. Since we are speaking mostly to doctors and a lot of healthcare workers on the show, I would love to have you back and maybe we'll just do an episode and look at healthcare AI because I know there's a lot of misunderstanding and a lot of apprehension about it out there. So I would love that. All right. Well, let's wrap up for today. This has been a great show. Thank you so much, Vanessa. I appreciate you being here. And we'll look forward to having you again and talking about healthcare AI. Yeah, of course, there is so much about AI that we can talk and so much that people can use in their regular life. It's just not for doctors or entrepreneurs. I think that I'm teaching my son that is 10 years old as well, how to use AI. He's writing an incredible book. Okay. He's so excited about that. So there's so many uses that you can apply AI to your life. So I'm I'm very excited. Maybe in another episode, I can show you more examples. And if people have questions, they can also ask questions in our social media or join and go to lunax.ai, lunax.ai. And also I invite everybody really to get involved and get some information on there. Awesome. And that should all be in the show notes and Vanessa's connections there. So thank you again so much. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. This has been an episode of Surgeon Syndicate. If you found value in this episode, no other surgeons are hungry to become job optional. You can help them by sharing this content today. I also want to serve you better. So I want to offer you two things. Number one, I'll be able to give you the content in an even better way if you can take a moment and leave an honest review of the show explaining what you like and what you don't. Number two, if you are a surgeon and serious about this, you don't want to do this on your own because you don't want to make mistakes with your money. I'd be happy to help. Schedule a call. We can make a plan. Looking forward to having you with me on the next episode.